Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is For All the Weary Water Walkers in 2023. This is episode two. There's probably going to be at least three episodes in this series because I'm uh, getting feedback from you guys that you need this information. So, okay, so this week we're talking about water walking again. And Apparently, there's a lot of people about to go into water walks in the near future, and I don't want y'all going in and not knowing about water walking. Before we start, I want to mention something a sweet friend of mine wrote me. She was widowed after a 50-plus years-long, very happy marriage. I cannot even imagine walking through that loss, and she has been doing it with such grace. But she wrote this in a letter to me, and it really stuck out to me. She said, It's not easy, but I have friends that have had losses and are having a much harder time with things. She said, I believe having the word in us before difficulties strike is so very important. I know it grounded me so much. Having the word in us before difficulties strike. Okay, guys, that's what I'm trying to help you do is have the word rooted and grounded in you before the hard things happen, before before you suffer a loss uh, in your personal life or before any judgments or those type of events happen. She has continually written about how she has had to rely on the Lord and had, how he has been so faithful to her in this journey. I have also walked through losses both before and after coming to the Lord, and I do not know how I ever did one day without him as the Lord of my life. Continually listening to the word of God Listening to sermons and reading the word while you still have access to it is so important. I cannot emphasize it enough, y'all. Please think about this because few things that are happening in your life now are going to matter when the judgments start coming. But how much word you know will matter every single day, both now and then. And nothing else but your faith in God and your knowledge of the word will help you through extreme adversity. I'm just saying. You know, the reason I teach on things like wilderness seasons and water walk journeys is because I want y'all to know beforehand and have the information you need ahead of time so you're not terrified, so you will have some idea of what is happening. When I went into that first wilderness in 1998, y'all, I was scared, and I am not ashamed to admit I was scared half to death because I had no idea why my life was falling apart, the life as I knew it. Okay, as those of you who have followed JPH a long time know that I've gone on a few water walks, at at the very least, the first and last wilderness seasons that I was in were definitely started out as water walks. And I'm kind of on a water walk now because I was sent to where I am now to help with the revival. Okay, what exactly is a water walk? A water walk is when the Lord speaks to you or leads you to step out of the safety of the boat of your life and out into the dark unknown, to move to a new place or go mobile in some cases where he leads you by his spirit and builds your faith. In some instances, when he sends you on a water walk, he also takes you off the paycheck system and puts you on the sole provider system with him being the sole provider. If it is that 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 is the time and that is his plan for you. He did send me on water walks before taking me off the paycheck system when he moved me from Oklahoma to Dallas. Um, When I went from Oklahoma to Dallas, I was still on the paycheck system. Um, He knew at that time I did not have nearly enough faith to switch to his system of providing, so he taught me while I was in Dallas to prepare me for when he would eventually do that some 10 years later. Now, a water walk and a wilderness. A water walk is a wilderness God leads you into by speaking to you to go. A wilderness, usually you just wake up one day and you're there and you're like, what happened to my life? I just want to clarify that real quick. Okay. My first trip out of the boat and onto the water came by surprise. It was 1998. My father had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and I was out of work. 
how do you know if you have been chosen for a water walk? How do you know that you're being called on to a water walk? The Lord is leading you or asking you to do something that requires very great faith to do. It requires great courage. There is usually no foreseeable provision where you are being sent. Like when Elijah was sent to the brook Cherith. There was a brook there, but there was no food out there. It is not a journey you would have chosen to go on yourself. I don't know of a single water walk where anybody went with anybody else. You're always sent by yourself. Or if someone is with you, like on uh, my water walk to Dallas, my son was with me physically. But spiritually, you will be by yourself. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. What is that? Proverbs 3, 5, or maybe 3, 5, and 6. It was 10 days from the time I left Woodward, Oklahoma, until I knew the town and house where we would live in Dallas. And I spent those 10 days in a hotel room and going out and driving every day, just driving through different towns in the region and saying, Lord, is this it? And then praying in the spirit the rest of the time. I was pretty frantic. I had a few meltdowns at the hotel. I'm not ashamed to admit it one bit because you get to the end of your rope and he's not telling you anything and you don't know what to do. And you freak out because you left everything you knew behind. And when you leave it behind, it always closes a door. He always closes a door in some kind of way so you cannot run back to that. Like the Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt, but they were far enough out in the desert then I don't think they actually could run back to Egypt very easily. Anyway, but when you're in a water walk and it gets scary, you praise him, just praise him if you don't know what else to do or pray in the spirit. Remember that negative thoughts stop your blessings from coming through, okay? Not that you're not entitled to them and not that you're not surrounded by negative circumstances, but you cannot dwell on them. It makes it worse. Get up and do something. Do not let the enemy get you down into a pit of despair. It's real hard to crawl out when you're in that situation. And fear will throw the brakes on whatever you're believing for. When I left the last broker I worked for in 2000, I think it was, I had walked off the last assignment because of some, I was almost attacked on the job. And so the woman who ran the office was very angry at me. And so she held onto my paycheck and I was in Dallas out of work, no unemployment because I, I was just contract. I was working contract then. And meantime, we had gone into the Silicon Prairie bust, I believe in that time. So there were no jobs. So I had no money, no jobs. And this woman's holding on to my last paycheck. And I was scared. I'm not kidding you. I was scared. And one day, John Morgan and I went someplace. I can't remember where it was. And he detected that spirit of fear on me. And he started talking to me about it. And I told him, I said, John, you know, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. And this woman won't get my paycheck up. And he said, let's stop and pray about that right now. And he pulled the car over and he prayed for me. And he cast out that spirit of fear. And I felt a lot better. When the paycheck finally came, she finally sent at the end of that year because she had to close out her accounting year. Otherwise, she'd probably still be holding on to it because she is a person who could hold a grudge and a paycheck. When the check got to me, guess what the postmark was? It was the day that John prayed. And the day I started trying really hard to believe God and not be afraid. And I did get a lot better after that day. Okay, I want to give you all another important lesson that has to do with water walking in wilderness. Be careful when you ask for more of God. Be sure that is really what you want. That sounds contradictory, but it isn't. Just like when you get more of anyone else, you get more of the whole being of God. Most people want more of God's love, his mercy, and his blessings, but they do not realize when they pray for more of God, they also get more of his correction, his chastening, and his judgment. I still want more of God regardless, but you just realize it's a whole package deal, okay? It's like, you know, there are a lot of people who want more blessings, but not if it means they have to give up any of their sin. Or they want more mercy, but they don't want to extend mercy to others. They want forgiveness when they need it, but they don't want to extend forgiveness to other people who need it. They want to correct others, but not receive correction. And a lot of people want more faith, but they don't want to have to stand on the faith they've already been given. We can't want bigger muscles without being willing to exercise, okay? 
You can't lose weight without giving up food. So you got to think about the reality of all that. If you pray for more of God, he will answer that prayer. But the way he answers it won't look like he answered it, okay? So the bottom line is water walking is taking a huge leap of faith, like when Peter stepped out of the boat. What happened right after Peter stepped out of the boat? He took about two steps and then he started sinking, didn't he? He started going under. A water walk is something you believe the Lord spoke to you to do. A water walk is usually something that takes a lot of faith and courage. I don't know of anybody that went on a water walk that didn't. And you cannot see beforehand how it's going to work out. Like when God spoke to Abram in Genesis 12:1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will shew thee. And in verse 2, he's, the Lord promises him all kind of blessings, even that he would curse those that curse Abram and that he would make out of him a great nation. And he spoke to Moses in Exodus 3.10, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, Moses was just a regular dude. I mean, he had been the daughter of um, Pharaoh's daughter by adoption, but he had gone back to just a regular life, and he was a shepherd at that time. But clearly what both of them did took great, great courage and also required them to leave everything they knew behind. In water walks, there's usually no guaranteed provision and often there's not even any foreseeable provision where you know for sure it's going to be there. There was certainly none in the desert for Moses or the children of Israel. And in Genesis 12, verse 10, we see that where Abram went, there was a famine not much worse could happen back then than war or famine. Abram was a shepherd. A famine could have cost him his entire herd, which was everything he owned. Back then, they didn't put money in banks. They put it in livestock. So why would God lead him where there was even less than where he was? Where he could lose everything that he had? Could it have been to test Abram's faith? You know, when God called me on water walks, I had a truck payment. I don't have one now, praise God, but I did back then because I had just come out of the oil field. Actually, both of those times, both of the times that he led me on a water walk, I had a truck payment and I had just, you know, come out of work and didn't have any money left or had, had spent through my money living on it. Water walks are all about faith. Notice that Abram never questioned God or complained about the famine. He just kept on walking. He didn't complain and he didn't go, God, why'd you bring me out here? There's nothing out here. No, he just obeyed quietly. Very often when you step out of the boat and take a few steps like Peter, you immediately begin facing obstacles like Peter, like Abram. You will often have to risk much, if not everything, to go on a water walk. To come on this one I am now, I laid down more than I ever have before. I gave away all my furniture, not knowing how I would get any more because I had no way to move it. I was moving by myself and I could not lift it and load it and bring it and unload it and do all that. I do have a bed now that someone bought for me and I have another washer and dryer someone bought for me, but the rest of my furniture is basically throwaway furniture and I'm okay with that. I may not even have this after the next water walk, y'all. I've wondered many times if at some point all I will have is a duffel bag with my clothes in it. But, you know, whatever God wants to do. A water walk is not a journey you would have chosen for yourself. I cannot say this loud enough. A water walk is not somewhere you would go. You would say, oh, yeah, let me go do that. Let me give up everything I have and go do that and not know how it's going to turn out. Water walks are very tough journeys that do not always look tough at the outset, but they stretch your faith like a rubber band. I promise you, when I moved, from Woodward, Oklahoma to Princeton, Texas, I thought everything was going to get better. I was like, oh, yay, I'm going back to North Texas. You know, I always liked North Texas. I liked Oklahoma, too, and still do. Would like to move back there, in fact. Um, so I thought it was gonna, everything was going to be great. I had no idea. And God took me into that fiery wilderness of 2009. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, that was a shock. Sometimes a water walk is such a large leap that everybody around you thinks you are crazy when you do it. Let me tell y'all a story. Somebody called me when I was about to, to go from Oklahoma to
to Texas and I did not know where I was going and tried to talk me out of doing it. And you have to realize that when God called you to that water walk, it was not a conference call. It was just you and him. There was nobody else on the call, right? So they did not hear him speak to you. They did not feel his leading if you're going on a leading because sometimes we hear by leading. Sometimes we hear otherwise. And please let me make this very clear. I don't think any of us out here, including myself for sure, have ever heard the audible voice of God. I have never heard an audible voice. If I was hearing voices, I would take myself to the doctor. Okay. So I have, <laughs> I've read stories of people that said they did hear his audible voice. And they said they were so scared they couldn't hardly function for like two or three weeks. I'm like, Lord, I don't ever want to hear that. Okay. I just, I don't need, I don't, I'm good. I don't need that. I'm good. But I just want y'all to understand when we, we hear from God a lot of different ways, you can drive down the road and you're praying about something and you look up at a sign, a literally a billboard by the side of the road has something on it that answers your question. That's here. You're still hearing from him. It's just a different form. You're reading the word and something jumps off the page at you. That's him speaking to you, okay? I don't mean speak, speak like an audible voice. For anybody out there who's <laughs> saving up evidence of my insanity, there you go. Because <laughs> there are people that think I'm a wingnut and I know that. I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. Okay, so there are going to be doubt shouters. There are going to be people that think you are an absolute nutcase when you go, I'm fixing to quit my job, leave everything behind, all my friends, all my family, everything I know, because I believe that God's leading me to do this or that. Okay. Um, when God led me on that wilderness journey in 2009, the result of it was I wrote the Wilderness Companion. So people can argue with my method until the cows come home, but... You can't really argue with the success of God put something out there because he really wrote that book. He got something out there that still to this day is helping a lot of people. And I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on him. Okay. So you have to realize when you are led or called onto a water walk, it was not a conference call. Number one, nobody else got the same message you got. And all they see is they're standing back over here and they're looking over there. And it looks to them like you're about to jump off a cliff holding on to nothing. And they're scared to death for you. So be patient with them because they're scared for you. They don't understand what you're doing. They'll understand later when it all works out and you have rock hard faith, but they don't understand right now. Later on, you'll be able to help them with your faith and maybe help them build theirs. Be aware you may lose some relationships over it because they just think you're crazy and they think you're stupid and a whole lot of other stuff and they don't want anything to do with you after that. You may get, and you may lose important relationships. Some of those you may get back and some you may not. So that's a chance that you take along with all the other chances when you go out on a water walk. So like God spoke to Abram to just get up and go and leave everything behind. Why does he do that? Why does he tell us to just go? Could it be because he knows what's coming in the future for us and for others? Could it be because he knows where the provision is? He leads me beside green, you know, to the green pastures in Psalm 23. I'm not quoting that right. And speaking of provision, you should never ever step out on a water walk unless you know beyond a shadow of a doubt God is telling you or leading you to do that, okay? I call it the know that you know that you know because that is the first thing that Satan is going to argue with you about. He's going to try to make you think you missed it and then it's your fault and that God's not going to help you when you're in lack. Okay, so that's why you have to know that you know that you know. And also, because you're going to argue with yourself driving down the road too, okay? Okay, let's talk about some things that are signs that you may be about to go on a water walk. Y'all don't get scared, okay? One of the signs, you used to be happy where you are, and all of a sudden you're kind of, you notice that you're becoming dissatisfied and that your dissatisfaction with where you are is growing. That is a sign that God has moved the anointing. The anointing, um, whenever you are where God wants you to be, there's an anointing on you to be in that place that makes it easier than it would be for other people to be in the same place, okay? Whenever he wants you to be somewhere else, he removes that. He takes away the ease for you to be there so you'll get, be ready to get up and go. So I want y'all to think about this. 
while you are supposed to be there, you're content enough to stay. But when he gets ready to move you, he moves the anointing that's on you from that place to the new place that you're supposed to be. And you will continually grow more dissatisfied with where you are. Okay, number two, your provision is drying up. I call this the brook drying up. When Elijah was at the brook Cherith and God wanted him to move on, he let the brook dry up. Now, Elijah couldn't live without water, right? God had assigned the ravens to bring him fast food every day. But I'm sure if Elijah did not leave on time, the fast food deliveries would have stopped. So he let the brook dry up. Elijah could not stay there with no water. And by the way, your provision can be drying up for other reasons. So this alone is not knowing that you know that you know. Just because your provision dried up suddenly is not a guarantee that you're going on a water walk. So I'm just telling you. But when your provision is drying up, it is one of the big signs. Okay, number three. The most important way to know is he's told you or he's leading you very strongly. Okay, why a water walk? Why? Sometimes to get you away from something. Sometimes, sometimes it's to position you for something new. Um, sometimes it's to protect you. God has moved me for that reason before. It can be to take you to the next level spiritually. Water walking builds faith. Okay, it is a major faith builder. That's the biggest thing it does. To teach you to trust him for everything. To teach you about being dependent on him. And to teach you how very faithful he is. Because y'all, he is a faithful God. My mom used to always say that. But I didn't know what she meant. And sometimes, you know, I wonder too. If sometimes our father would just like to get our undivided attention for a while. So let's talk about Abram's water walk for a minute. To me, it's the easiest one to lay out step by step. What all did he have to go through in that water walk? Okay, in verse 4, he moved his entire household out of his comfort zone, away from everybody he knew, away from where he'd been making a living and all of that. He knew where all the best pastures were, all of that. He left all of that behind. Then he was wandering, kind of uncertainly, where he was supposed to go. And in verse 7, God showed up and made another promise to him. That may be where he made the covenant, I don't remember, but... In verse 8, Abram was halfway between Ai, which means ruin, and Bethel, which means house of God. Now, isn't that interesting? Halfway between ruin and the house of God. The house of God is also the presence of God, isn't it? Okay, then he passed through famine. He kept going, so we know that God must have provided for him during the famine because he didn't starve to death. He worried and feared a little bit because there was a verse where God said, Fear not, Abram, I am your exceeding great reward. And then God began to prosper Abram. And the word says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, Abram was very rich. This is not why we water walk, but is sometimes one of the rewards for you. Some of you are called to wealth. Some of you, God is showing me, right? This is not in my notes. He says, some of you are called to wealth. And some of you, this has to do with the end time transfer of wealth to you. And he is going to use some of your wealth to fund the kingdom, to fund kingdom work. When God brings us wealth, y'all, it's not for us. And I'm not saying I have wealth because I don't, but when he brings you wealth, it is not for you to spend on your lust. It is to prosper the kingdom. It's to take care of your family because, you know, what is it the Bible says about if you don't take care of your own, you're worse than an infidel or something like that. Um it is not for you to consume upon your lust. It's not for you to buy, you know, a Rolls Royce, you know, and 10 gold rings for your right hand. You know, it's not for any of that nonsense. That's all worldly stuff. Prestige and, and living at the best address and all that, that is serving the world and the devil. Okay? God is not about any of that. Not that God minds you having things. God minds things having you. And if what you're interested in with wealth is, you know, 19 plastic surgeries and, you know, a fleet of brand new cars and a, a sprawling estate that has way more room than you ever need with 12 maids. That is worldliness. And that is the devil having you, okay? Just so you know that. If God brings you wealth, it is to fund kingdom work, to give to the poor, to take care of the needy, 
and to help organizations that do those things and that preach the gospel. And of course, to take care of your family. The love of money is the root of all evil. So some of you, God's going to lead you on a water walk and then he's going to bring you wealth. So that's pretty cool, huh? So why did God take Abram, later called Abraham, through all of this? What did Abram learn? Abram learned absolute trust in God. We still call him a father of the faith. He learned that God will provide even if nobody around him had provision and even if there was none in the entire land, like in the land of famine. He learned that God would fight his enemies, so he learned not to be afraid. Fear and faith are opposites each other's. Abram learned God keeps his promises, that he is at all times faithful. And let's not forget Moses. Moses left his life behind to answer God's call and rescue the Israelites from slavery at God's command. Moses started out as the child of a slave, a Hebrew slave. They were enslaved in Egypt. And he was rescued by the daughter of Pharaoh when uh, the Hebrews had to give up their children. And he was hidden in the river and the, one of the daughter of Pharaoh found him and adopted him. So he knew both worlds, but he rejected wealth and prestige when he got older, when he saw the corruption and abuse against his own people. As Moses continued to obey God, the Bible says he became as a God to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh thought that, you know, Pharaohs thought they were gods. They all thought they were the God of the sun. Sorry about my dog howling outside, y'all. He's unhappy about something. So Moses, by doing right, gave up all the wealth and prestige he had access to. And look what God did for him. God exalted him even above Pharaoh. And we are still talking about Moses today. Exodus 7.1, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. So I would say, even from these two stories alone, that if you just obey when the Lord sends you on a water walk, it will not only increase your faith, but he will exalt you in due time as well. Abram and Moses both came out way better than they started. I'm just saying. So if we're going to talk about water walks, let's talk about real faith. I don't mean the kind of faith you think you have. I mean real faith. Because real faith will get you where you need to go and cut way down on other stuff you might have to go through. I found some notes from a show I did years ago talking about Bible-believing faith, which is what you want and the kind you need to have for everything that is out in front of us, okay? Real Bible-believing faith is going to be everything as you go deeper into the end times. Actually, it's what you need for your everyday life, too. It is the key to what you need when you don't even know what that will be. Real faith is about trusting God. Well, I want to talk to you about how you can have nothing, no job, no money, no prospects, and God will provide everything you need for months at a time. And I'm not teaching you this out of a book. I lived this way and have for years. Since 2012, so for 10 plus years now, God has been 100% of my provision. And I learned that by going through terrifying wilderness seasons, of course, where the Lord was teaching me how to rely on him as my sole provider. And this is the same sole provider system that replaces the paycheck system in your life when God promotes you. Do you trust him? Do you trust him completely? You believe he'll provide everything you need to survive, right? He's your father, right? But do you really trust him or do you just think you trust him? Let's talk about how to tell the difference in real trust and superficial trust. Trust is about intimacy. You cannot have intimacy with someone you do not trust. I could never have real intimacy with my husband, Rick, because I could not trust him not to hurt me because he hit me. I trusted my mother 100% because she would never, ever hurt me. She did discipline me with the belt and an occasional switch, and she most definitely did discipline me, y'all. She was a Southern mama. She disciplined me, but I knew she did it out of her love for me. She was teaching me, and, and the, you know, Getting hit on the backside was just her way of getting my attention while she taught me, I guess. Although it did not feel much like teaching then when it was hitting me, and I was learning to do the waiver walk, but she did not want me to grow up and be a good-for-nothing spoiled brat. Thank God for it. I thank God for that all the time. But I do have intimacy with the Lord now, and I know He will never hurt me, so I trust Him completely. I trust Him with my whole life, with my eternity, 
and with my financial situation from day to day. I trust him enough that I don't work a job. I don't draw a check. I don't get a social security check. I don't get a disability check. I could have when I had the stroke, but I don't. I never filed. I am 100% on the sole provider system and Jesus is my provider. I move when and where he tells me to, regardless of how I do or don't feel about that move. That's part of the, the bargain. What happens if we don't have real trust and real faith when we really need it? Well, I'm glad you asked because that happened to be once. Well, probably more than once. I'm going to tell you the story. Let's talk about trusting when nothing in your world stays the same. Let's talk about the paycheck system. When I entered into that first wilderness in 1998, I had no idea what was going on in my life. I just knew the Lord had taken me out of work. He had me not go to the job I was scheduled to go on in Mississippi. And I didn't know it at that time that the oil field was fixing to completely collapse. So I would have gone out there and run up motel bills. I would have run up travel expenses. And then the company I would, was going to work for, I had not worked for before, probably would not have been able to pay me. But he did not tell me what else to do for money to pay my bills. And I had a few thousand put back to pay my taxes at the end of the year uh, because I'd been working contract. So you have to pay your taxes, you know, either as you go or at the end of the year. So I lived on that money because I didn't know what else to do. And when that ran out, I started living on my credit cards, which I obviously do not uh, recommend. Let me tell you something. Having faith in your credit cards is not having faith. And if you live on your credit cards as you're going into a water walk and into a wilderness, let me explain what happens because this is how I found out. First, you live on whatever you know money and savings you have. When that runs out, we usually pull out the plastic, right? We start charging things. God will wait for you to max out your cards before he takes you into the wilderness if you do that. And you will be in the wilderness with no way to pay those cards off and your credit will, will crash. So don't do that. Using the cards is not the same thing as, as having provision from God. Just go ahead and go into the wilderness, put the cards away, go ahead and go into the wilderness to get it over with. Okay. Then he sent me to Dallas. I'm already living on my cards, all right, for months. And then he sent me my, all my cards were maxed out except one. I remember I had one card that had not very much open. I had like a couple hundred left on it. I mean, I was fixing me in bad shape. He sent me to Dallas to stay with my dad who had just been diagnosed with cancer for a short time. And I went back to work in office work because I got there. And the next day I told dad, I said, I'm going to drive into Dallas and find some temp work so at least I can make gas money because I was hoping the oil field would call me back out on another job and I had phone calls out. People saying, yeah, the minute we have approval on this job, we want you to run this job. Okay. So when I was in that wilderness, the only faith I had was in what I could see. And he was beginning to teach me to have faith in something else. So I had faith in the money that was in the bank, my savings, and then I had faith in the credit cards to pay my bills. When I went back to work, then I had faith in my paycheck. You see how my faith moved around, but it was always in something I could see. If you are on the paycheck system, you have faith in your paycheck and your ability to earn a living. If you're on Social Security or disability, you have faith in getting that check from the government and that deposit hitting your account every month, right? This is not the same thing as Bible-believing faith. Please hear me on this. I want to teach you the difference and teach you why you need Bible-believing faith, okay? When you enter into the wilderness that is coming, if you do not have Bible-believing faith, it will be much, much harder for you. And you're not coming out of the wilderness till you build some faith. So if you get it now, it will help you a lot, okay? I was on the paycheck system and was taken off of it, and I felt like I'd been dropped off a cliff. I had no idea what was even happening then. Subsequent wildernesses, at least I knew what was happening. It was, <laughs> it was life-changing. But I felt like I was hanging off a high cliff by my fingernails for a really long time. And the whole time I'm hanging there praying to make it and Satan and his minions were swatting at me, trying to make me fall. And that's what it's like. Okay, I don't, I don't tell you this to scare you. I just tell you that's what it's going to feel like so you won't be surprised. When you are taken off the paycheck system before you have faith for the Bible-believing sole provider system, you feel a lot like a flying trapeze artist. You're flying through the air, only there's not a bar for you to grab hold of. You're just flying through the air. Faith is the currency of heaven. In order to have the kind of faith you need to walk through times of no paychecks, you have to exercise your faith muscles prior to when you need to use them to survive. But I have good news for you. You can start learning anytime. 
you know you got to go pick up something that weighs 200 pounds, you're going to start working your muscles out ahead of time, right? Because what happens if you run out there and try to pick it up and you didn't work out? Nothing. It's not going to move if you're mean. Okay. A professional boxer trains for the ring for months or years before ever stepping into the ring in a real match because a pro knows what's required to be at the top of his game. He's just going to get beat up by his opponent if he don't learn what he needs beforehand and he's just thrown into the fight. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So how do you train your faith? You believe for stuff until you get it. But it really works best when it's stuff you really, really need because you're really into believing and put your faith out there when you're desperate. When the stakes are highest is when the real training happens. So you can ask the Lord to get your faith ready for whatever you personally will have to walk through in the future a little at a time instead of having to go into it all at once and maybe he'll go ahead and start training you. I don't know if y'all know, but I pray for what I'm supposed to do a show about every week. And I was praying as I went to walk my dogs that one day. And suddenly I began to think about how people say they're believing God for their provision and what is coming. But how those same people do not even believe enough to tithe an offering to kingdom work. You know, on their increase that they're getting now. And I know it's all, oh, here she goes talking about money. Let's get this straight. I'm not talking about tithing to me, okay? I'm not. You are supposed to tithe wherever you get your spiritual food. If you go to a church and they are feeding your spirit, you're supposed to tithe there. All right. If you're going to a church and they're not feeding your spirit, you're supposed to tithe wherever you're getting your food. Did y'all know that 10 is the number of the test? Anytime you see the number 10, look for what you're being tested on. The word tithe in the Bible literally means one tenth. That means you're tested every time you get a paycheck, a birthday check, a Christmas check, a gift card, anything. Okay, I'm just putting that out there. Y'all do what y'all want to with it. That's what sustained me, though. I will tell you that. That's what still sustains me because I know I can stand on that promise and I stand on it every week to pay my bills. Tens in the Bibles that were test. Genesis 16.3 And Sari, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her mate, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. Was this a test? The test was, Abram, are you going to believe what I said that I will give you a son or are you going to look for a workaround to make it happen on your own? He took the work around because Sarah really wanted him to do it. Laban changed Jacob's wages 10 times. Was that a test? This, this was a test for Jacob, whether he would hold out and marry Rachel or settle for Leah. There were 10 plagues put on Pharaoh and his people in Egypt when they refused to let the Israelites go. Was this a test? Oh, yeah. The test was whether Pharaoh would believe God was speaking to him through Moses and save his own life. He didn't. There were 10 virgins in the parable of the, of the wise and the foolish virgins. What was the test? The test was whether they would remain watching and vigilant until the bridegroom arrived. We're in the same test. There were 10 commandments. What is the test? The test is whether we will obey what the Lord commanded or we'll just do whatever our flesh wants every day. God asked for us to give 10%, the first 10% and an offering. And he promises to rebuke the devourer and keep the curse off of your money. Okay. If a bank offered you that deal, you jump on it. But your father offers you the same deal and you're indignant. We make something clear. You don't lose your salvation if you don't tithe. But he won't rebuke the devourer from your stuff. Now, I had somebody write me years ago and say, oh, well, I've never tithed and I've always been blessed. Okay, well, let me tell you something, sister. I've seen people who never tithe and I've seen God wait and call them to repentance and call them to repentance and they never repented. Somewhere in their life, Something horrible happened, and they lost everything. I've seen that more than once. So you do whatever you want. And I know, well, those preachers just preach about tithing because they want money. No, many preachers preach about tithing because he's telling them to. Okay? This is in the Word of God. It's a spiritual law. Whether you want to admit it or not, it is a spiritual law. You don't have to tithe if you don't want to. But talk to anybody who's a long-time tither, and they will they can reel off to you what the benefits are, because I know I can. My mother always used to tell me. Because you keep asking him to bless you, and you are not in a position of obedience where he can, he's having them tell you, hey, get in line and I'll bless you. But 
And if you think people preach for the money, then you sure don't have any preachers in your family. I tell you that this is not the profession you go into if you want to get rich. Okay. But I don't understand how people who don't even have the, the faith to tithe 10% of their income think that they're going to be able to believe God for all their provision when everything goes bad. I don't understand that. It's so contradictory. Just think about that. You can't believe him to cover that 10% of your income and an offering, but you think you're able to believe him for 100%? It's, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Tithing is a faith builder too. Nobody wants to give up 10% of their money, but you don't want him to take the other 90 either, do you? Tithing is a faith test. It's not a money, it's not a money question. It's not a money test. It is a faith test. It is asking you if you trust him. Do you trust him? How much do you trust him? Or do you just say you trust him? Think about that. Because your actions tell the answer to that question, okay? We need faith in God for everything. So how can anyone who does not even have the faith to tithe and offer have faith for food and protection in what we're walking into? If they're not exercising their faith now to tithe, how on earth can they possibly survive then? And how can they have faith when a doctor hands them a cancer diagnosis or something worse? When you find out your adult child is on drugs or arrested, when you find out your spouse is cheating on you, when the next recession hits and you lose your job, you need faith for everything. You need Bible-believing faith for everything. You need to trust God to have faith. And you need to be able to trust Him with every area of your life. Every area. Y'all, we know that we're living in the end of the end times. My sister Judy, back in the early 2000s, she was a beautiful, gentle person. She used to call me on the phone when I lived in Dallas and she lived in Amarillo and she would tell me that we were in the end times. And I honestly didn't believe her because I didn't know that we were until 2008. Um, I really didn't. And, you know, I don't enjoy the book of Revelations as much as the rest of the Bible because I don't have a lot of um, revelation on it. That is the only book of the Bible I think she ever read. She loved the book of Revelation. She loved prophecy. She read it over and over and over. And she said, this is the only book that you get a blessing just for reading. I'm like, okay, that's cool. When Mary Kay Baxter's books, Divine Revelation of Hell, started coming out, she bought a copy of that book for everybody in the family. And she was always witnessing. And some of us were already saved, but she still was. She was, she was hard at it. But she was doing her part. And may she rest in peace and have many rewards. But like me back then, some people are not trying to heed the warnings and be prepared for what is coming. They're just hoping they'll make it through. That's how I was back then. Let me tell you something. Hope is not enough to get you through what's coming. That hope's going to go away quick when the bombs start coming in, okay? When you start seeing an army come into town and shoot all your neighbors, that hope's going to leave quick. And you're not going to have anything to stand on. And I'm just trying to be real with y'all. Sorry, that's not good news. It's not going to get you through the hard parts of your life. Think back to the last time you got really, really bad news or somebody died that you didn't know was going to die. Did hope get you through that? No, it did not. In November 2019, my older brother went into the hospital and found out he had stage four lung cancer and four other conditions, all terminal. Hope did not get him through that. He had fought God his entire life at one time. And one time, my brother, and he always built his houses with his own hands. And he always paid for them as he went because he didn't make enough doing construction work to make a payment. He had a rule in his house many, for many years when I was younger. I still remember it when I was in my 20s. That if you went to his house, if you started talking about God, he would make you leave. He would tell you to go. That was his rule. That's how much he rejected God. He was very hard-hearted against God, which is, I'm sure, the reason his life was so difficult. And I'm not talking bad about you. Know, I'm just telling you the story. Hope did not get him through that diagnosis. He passed away the next month. In December, he passed away and he had no health insurance, no money to pay those bills. And hope is not helping his grieving widow. But praise God, he did get saved. God did reach him. I'm so glad for that. God did reach him. He had to lay him all the way down and show him the end of his life to get him to give it up. But he did. And he was very peaceful. Y'all, I live the kind of faith that I'm talking about, and I have since 2012. 
after I published the Wilderness Companion, God told me that he was done with me working. He was done with it. He wanted me to work for him. When you are going into a water walk or wilderness, you will see he will give you a promise. And you'll receive the promise and you'll step out. And then you'll hit the problem. But if you will hang on to your faith and stand on his word, then you'll get the provision. You'll get a promise before you go. And it might be, you know, a greater anointing, some kind of blessing. I'll answer your prayers. I'll save your people, you know, whatever. But he does not tell you how long it's going to take for that promise to fully manifest. But the promise is what you hold on to. That is your hope that you hold on to as you're walking through that. And you will believe him more and more and more every time he comes through for you. And he will come through. He's very faithful. Most of the time you're led into a wilderness, you won't know that's where you're going. Sometimes you'll know in a water walk because a water walk usually precedes it, honestly. If you wonder sometimes why something is happening, consider what your calling is or what you think it is because that may have something to do with it. If your calling is to teach, you'll be tested on the word of God and if you really believe it. See, obviously that was my calling. If your calling is to lead others through the desert, you're going to be tested on how to survive in the desert with nothing. Moses killed an Egyptian and had to flee into the desert, so he must have had to survive on nothing for at least a short time prior to being called to rescue the Israelites. Your calling is to spread truth. You will likely be tested by being deceived. If your calling is to spread healing, you'll likely be tested on receiving healing. If your calling is deliverance, you'll likely be tested on discerning demonic spirits. Keep in mind, you will not be able to hold on to your savings or any very valuable assets that you have. Whatever you have, he will require you to use because he does not want your faith in those things. He wants to teach you to put your faith in him. It is for your own good. I promise you it is. The whole purpose of a wilderness and a water walk is to teach you to be wholly dependent on him and his word. If you have anything else at all, you'll depend on that because that's what we know. And that's what we're basically taught to do from birth. In most of my wildernesses, I was allowed to work, but I never had enough money to pay for everything. So I still had to believe him for it every single month. Like in the 2009 wilderness, when I went into it, I had unemployment. It paid about half my bills. So I had to believe him for the other half every single month. I remember being so tired of believing. So if you do have savings or assets, you can expect them to either disappear or get consumed. I'm just telling you ahead of time. I did have, when I went into 2000, the 2009 wilderness, I didn't have a whole lot, but I had a little bit. I'd saved up from the oil field. You will probably lose some relationships, maybe important ones, because people just think you're crazy when you walk like this. Everything we do is backwards from the way the world does it. Your reputation will likely be ruined among your friends and family because when you step out in great faith, you know, other people are not, they're not going to understand. They're going to label you crazy. They're going to think you're a wingnut. And, you know, it just is what it is. You will not be allowed to have a tour guide ride with you on the trip, okay? If you have a mentor, they will not be able to help you through the wilderness. They will be able to advise you some of the way, but that's all, because God will not let them do everything. I've mentored people before that were in a wilderness, and I would want to. I'd be like, Lord, can I give them some money? Can I do this? Can I do that? And he wouldn't let me. He'd be like, nope. He told me one time, in one case, he said, if you help her, she will have to stay there long. I'm like, oh. My favorite scripture, Deuteronomy 8, 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. That's all I have for y'all this week. My voice is given out, so I'm going to stop. I'm going to have at least one more episode on this um, just to refresh everybody on water walking. And some of it's about wilderness because that's where it takes you uh, for what's coming up. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a really blessed week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 239, Turkey Creek, Louisiana, 
7055 or by email at jphtoday, that's J-P-H-T-O-D-A-Y, at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are oftentimes of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. Do you know someone who is going through a wilderness season right now? Have you heard about the Wilderness Companion Study Guide? It's a workbook with 41 lessons, including new stories from the wilderness and questions to help you work through your own wilderness experience. Read each lesson, then complete the questions to apply the lesson to your own wilderness experience. Get your copy of the Wilderness Companion Study Guide today and get one for a friend. Available now on Amazon.com. The Wilderness Companion Study Guide by Glenda Lomax. Available on Amazon.com. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will, at some point, encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook. The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings? Why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?